Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. And welcome to Kramer and Brill, a podcast about fantasy football. And each week we bring you analysis that you need to make for your fantasy football team to make it the best you could be. And for me, Bob Brill, you get a half century's worth of knowledge of the ins and outs of playing fantasy sports. From Eric, well, you get the inside info you can only get from a guy who's been on the NFL stage. Top quarterback with the Lions and Bears. Eric is up on today's players. Tends to give his insights on the game itself. You won't find a better combination. Each week, uh, beginning on Tuesdays, we'll uh, give you a look at the players in upcoming games and trends and insights of more than just you know, the, the stats. For the first eight weeks, we're doing a division by division, analyzing the players on those teams, get you ready for your fantasy draft, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Libsum, iTunes, and more. And you can always find the link to our podcast, uh, this podcast and the previous ones, by going to our website, and that is KramerAndBrill.com. KramerAndBrill.com. And want to give you a little insight that we have been doing these on Thursdays and we'll continue to do them on Thursdays until the season opens. When the uh, start of the official season opens in September, uh, we'll be doing them on Tuesdays. And so that'll get you ready for your first availability to look at the uh, players uh, on the waiver wire on on Tuesday and we'll be get set up. And if we do some, we may do a second one during the week if we do some live appearances. Uh, So we'll be doing those on Tuesday starting with the official uh, uh, first week of the season. First, let me introduce you to my friend and colleague, my co-host, former NFL quarterback, Eric Kramer. And Eric, a Hall of Fame game this week. Uh, we're not going to do anything to talk about it or anything because it's, you know, nobody cares about we the Hall of Fame We should go watch game. it, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, playing we're, actually, that we're playing football. We're actually playing football. So, uh, we're, we're kind of in the yeah, full swing cool. of things. Yeah, it's uh, getting, getting ready. And then, of course, right after that, we have four uh, weeks of the preseason. And then uh, in September, we're jumping right into the NFL season. And and, uh, looking good. So um, we're going to start uh, today. We're going to take a look at the NFC South. And I think uh, I want to start uh, with, the, as you mentioned before we started here, uh, why not start with the best? And of course, that's the New Orleans Saints. And I think uh, it used to be that if you said New Orleans Saints, it would be the New Orleans, as Drew Brees goes, New Orleans Saints go. But not anymore. I mean, they've got a great running back in uh, uh, Alvin Kamara. And, I mean, we, we just got a really good, solid team. Of course, one of the great, best coaches uh, in the league. I was going to say, one yep. of the best play callers. But let's start with the quarterback position. Let's start with Drew Why Brees. Uh, I mean, he's been around a long time. We talked about him last week. We talked about uh, the Chargers in the AFC West. And, of course, that's where he well, I bet, I bet kids growing up today that only know Drew Brees as a Saint never even knew he oh, played yeah. for the Chargers. Yeah, and and, and he, he came out of Purdue, right? He did. Yeah. He was the first quarterback taken that year, but wasn't drafted until the second round. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. This guy, you know, everybody says he's a little guy. He's, you know, he can't probably can't see over the mm-hmm. linemen in front of him. And yet he's set some of but the But he's racked up, what, 500 touchdowns. A billion, yeah, a billion yards. 60,000 you know. <laughs> yards or something, yeah. Yeah, it, it's so cool to watch him because he is, you know, he seems like such a cool guy, such a nice guy. You see him on commercials, you see him on interviews and stuff like that. And he's a, he's kind of settled into New Orleans and made that his real home, and he and his family have adapted that. Um, but on the football field, he's pretty much unbeatable even today, right? 
looks at yes even today at whatever age he is now 39 40 and he and Sean Payton have put together an incredible run and Sean Payton as you mentioned probably the best or one of the best play callers in the NFL and he's got an extension of himself with the guy throwing the ball and Drew Brees so uh, just a savvy gritty accurate dynamic playmaker and is a great leader of that team. Well, you know, the thing about him, too, is uh, he threw 32 touchdowns last year, but only threw five interceptions. And we're seeing more and more of this with the great, the older quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, not so much with Roethlisberger, because he did throw a lot of interceptions last year. Brady. But, uh, yeah, Brady. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems to be a pattern. And what do you attribute that to? Wisdom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of doing it the wrong way for a few times and then go, well, this, if I want to stick around here, I got to have these kind of uh, 32 touchdowns and five interceptions. That you can get away with every year. Mm. So I think that's just learning uh, the game and studying um, into all hours of the night and working with your receivers. There was a year after I was done playing while I was um, getting into coaching quarterbacks uh, uh, on – Privately, and there was a day that drove down to the Carson uh, Home Depot Center where the Chargers now play, but they have some practice fields out there. And I was actually working a little bit with Carson Palmer, and Drew Brees was there. And within oh, maybe less than five minutes, once because there, there was uh, at that time who was Marcus Colston was his main receiver in New Orleans and. They had some other pro guys out there that day. It was probably maybe 20, 25 in total offense, defense. Within five minutes, Drew Brees was running the entire show as like he was the head coach of the entire operation. He was a general. Was, it was impressive. Yeah, yeah, he was impressive to, to watch that. You know, uh, take me through the week. Uh, you've just played a game. You played a Sunday game. Yeah. Um, and you're going to play the following Sunday, so we'll skip to Thursdays and then yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, take me through the week for a quarterback. Well, um, after the game, if you're um, you know feeling good and up and about, go to dinner and then um, uh, kind of wrap things up for the week. I remember in Chicago there was a sh- there was a, a wrap up Sunday night wrap up TV show that came, I don't think we went on until around 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Drive home after that, and then Monday starts the, you know, you go in and watch the film and start to get uh, maybe, if you haven't already, start to watch a little film with the upcoming opponent and then watch as a team, or as an offense anyway, watch the uh, the breakdown of the game film. And then, you know, maybe have a, uh, a brief run or heal up in some way in the training room from the game, game before. And then Tuesday is your day off, which no one ever takes a day off. So mm-hmm. you always go in and, and get some time of workout in or start to watch film for the next week. And, and then the actual game plan goes in. And chances are on Tuesday, I would have met with the, you know, the offensive coordinator at the time and gotten a few ideas about what's gonna, what we're looking at this upcoming mm-hmm. game and then what might be going in. So by Wednesday morning, you come in and you've got an idea of what, what you're going to do as a team and as an offense. And so you just uh, – it's early morning workouts, meetings, uh, lunch, practice, 
or walk, there's a walkthrough in there somewhere and then practice and now when you say walkthrough what's a walkthrough well, you've installed the game plan, or you've installed some plays, and you've, you've given, um, you watched some film of, of who your upcoming opponent's going to be and the basic defenses they run. And so you've got, by 11 a.m. on Wednesday morning, you've got an idea of what the basic plays are you're going to put in, you're, which is, they don't change drastically from week mm. to week. You've got maybe a, one or two or three or four or five plays that are new going in, but then... Based on the other team's defense, yes, basically. Yes, but you, you've also got an idea now of what defenses you're going to face. So mm -hmm. at, by 11 o'clock in the morning, you're going to have a walkthrough to go basically step through all of the plays you're going to be running and set up against a Lick Squad defense that just basically stands there and you step through whatever So you literally just set. walk through. That's it. Ah, That's cool. it. And then... I remember when I was in Detroit, Barry Sanders, we'd have, you know, a walkthrough, and he'd hand the ball to Barry. He'd get up to the line. He'd make eye contact with everybody like Mel, stands and watches. With, <laughs> everybody stands and watches, and Mel Gray would make con eye contact with uh, Mel Gray was a pump kickoff returner. He and Barry would make eye contact together, and they'd go have a sprint, hundred yard sprint to the end of the uh, field, and then, you know, jog back and play two would come up. So that was. Um, but that's and then you have lunch after that and you get right into practice after that so and it's then a, friday comes along and friday comes along and it's kind of a friday's a brief day so it's typically no contact and you'll the tempo of everything will increase hopefully the execution will also increase and you basically want to come out of Friday with a perfect practice. Mm -hmm. You don't want the ball on the ground. You don't want any missed blocks or assignments. You don't want any penalties. No one jumping offside. No one forgetting what to do. And then you'll come in after Friday's brief practice and watch the film there, and that's pretty much the end of the week. And on Saturday, if it's a home game, you're not traveling, obviously, but if it's a home game, is that a day off, or is that what is a day No, off? no. There'll be a walkthrough. Though typically, when I was with the Bears, we would have a test. So we'd have a, a board test. So we'd, as an offense, we'd all meet together in the same room. And there would be, mm, let's say, 10 um, questions that the offense, each position coach would pose to someone at their position. And they would that person would have to get up and draw up the defense versus the offense on the board, draw through the entire play, and whatever it is that's specifically asked, some little adjustment or whatever, that player would have to know how to draw and explain that adjustment. Gotcha. Then there'd be a walkthrough after that. And then if it's a travel, uh, if it's a away game, you're traveling Saturday, is that what it is? You'd travel Saturday, typically, um, and this is probably what's still done, you'd fly into whatever city you're going to play at, get off the plane, get on, everyone gets on to a different, maybe three or four buses, and then you'd drive right to the stadium, uh, park, get, uh, walk into the locker room. There'd be uh, you know shorts and and t-shirts there for everybody. Get dressed and go have a walk through at the stadium. Oh, so you do that then? That, that, yeah. That's now, it's kind of curious. Uh, go back to Monday uh, when you say you study film. You, do you start by studying the film from the game you just finished, no matter how ugly you are or how good it is, and then you start looking at game film of the upcoming opponent, or is that does that change at all? No, that's pretty much the formula. And when you said, it, it, now, depending on how ugly, if it's very ugly, then there have been a time or two 
that a coach has come in and said, we're not watching this film. Yeah. And we'll get right on to the get next. Get this out of your minds. Forget it. That's <laughs> right. That's if we right. were so bad, just I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, I had a coach one time. In fact, Dave wants that in Chicago. We got on, It was a preseason game. We played so bad against the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Bef- he gathered up the team before anybody got onto the airplane after the game and said, we're not watching this film. So we showed up the next morning and got right on to whatever – Next game we're playing. Yeah, just clear your mind and move forward. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, when you look at a quarter like uh, quarterback like Breeze or Brady or Roethlisberger, who are in their late thirties, pushing forty, some over forty, mm-hmm. does that change at all? I I, I know I've um, I've read that like uh, when middle of the week Ben doesn't kind of work out on he shows up there on Wednesday, but he really doesn't do anything. Is, is that kind of typical for the older older guys? I've never experienced that myself. I've never seen that, so I don't know. Um, and um, I think because everybody's got to play on Sunday, since that's the example you gave, mm-hmm. uh, there are no days off. There's no such thing. So it's mo- a, lot of co- a lot of coaches feel very uncomfortable if anybody takes a practice off mm-hmm. at any time during the week. Right. So um, you've got to convince the coaching staff that you're ready to go. Now, if that's something Ben Roethlisberger or other quarterbacks do and have like, success doing that, and they've got a head coach that's comfortable with that, then that's maybe something that they, that's incorporated. Gotcha. So we look at Drew Brees, uh, again, one of the older quarterbacks. And uh, this year, like he, last year, he's got a little different um, – Surroundings. I mean, he's got a, a, an outstanding running back uh, in uh, Kam- maybe uh, one of the best, right? Yeah, just all purpose. Just yeah. not even run. Just not only running the ball, but re- as a receiver, he's dynamic. And you know, it, it didn't gain that many yards, but the yards that he did gain, like you said, were dr- dr- uh, dramatic. Mm-hmm. Fourteen touchdowns, uh, average four point six yards a carry, but only had eight hundred eighty three yards. But then they throw the ball on. I mean, he threw five hundred, basically five hundred times, and almost almost five hundred. Uh, what do you expect more from um, him again this year? Do you expect pretty much the same, or do you expect maybe a step up? Or a step down because they did lose Mark Ingram in in the transaction. They did, they did. They, now they did pick up Octavius Murray, but Alvin Kamara is young and only getting better and only getting more versatile. And this is now, you know, this is Drew Brees' final year on his contract is this year, and they've started to. You can tell just last year it's been Drew Brees' least dynamic year stat wise. Mm-hmm. That since he's been with the Saints. So um, I think you're going to see a, a more trend in that direction. I don't think, you know, they drew Brees through the ball, what, almost 500 almost times. Almost 489 times. So yeah. I think that will, it will be, he threw 489 times. It will be, he'll throw the ball, I think, less next year than he did last year. I think what he does so well is, is he's an efficient decision maker and passer. Therefore, Alvin Kamara, his chances at running the ball, along with Latavius Murray, I think will go up. Obviously, Kamara's a – he had 81 catches. A lot of them are, you know, down-the-field catches by mm-hmm. a running back. So he gets matched up on an outside linebacker, advantage Kamara. So there's um, so much he can do, I think, as a ball carrier slash receiver – 
that uh, his production, I think, is on the rise, not the opposite. When you look at Kamara, um, do you put him in the same number class, and I mean like top five, top six, with uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, with maybe Todd Gurley, maybe not this year, uh, and uh, some of the other running backs, um, uh, Sequin Barkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you put him in the top three, top five? Uh, where do you expect him to go? Of the guys you just mentioned, I put him first. Oh, yeah. Well, he's the only one with no question marks. Yeah. So Todd Gurley's got numerous. Uh, so Le'Veon Bell took the mm-hmm. last year off. Um, and Saquon Barkley um, is only coming into his second year, obviously a dynamic player. Right. But who's going to be throwing the ball in with the Giants this year? That's true. So it's. Um, I think Alva Kamara has proven he's – Probably the most versatile running back who is a dynamic runner and a dynamic receiver. He can do it all. And he can run the ball better than any running back in the league and catch the ball and run routes better than any running back in the league. So now we've got Latavius Murray rather than Mark Ingram as their number two back. Uh, he spent last year with Minnesota and uh, comes in with – you know, some some decent numbers in the past. Not, nothing, you know, he sort of was a number one, never a, a solid number one. He's always really been, you know, RB2. Mm-hmm. Um, where does he fit in as far as playing time? Is he an off back? Uh, is he uh, a guy, a third down back? Uh, when you've got a great receiver already as a running back. Or is he just, you know, a blocker, spell guy? What, where do you fit He's in? not a blocker, never been. And he's, I think, a... He's a bigger physical back with speed, and that's what he's going to continue to do. And he's come to the best offense playing for the best coach he could have chosen. I think they're going to figure out ways to take advantage of what he does in ways that so far some other coaches may not have. Sean Payton, along with guys like Andy Reid, they will figure out how to put you in the most favorable matchups possible. For every given week. And even if that's only for 10 or 15 snaps, 20 snaps a game, they'll figure it out. Is he an upgrade for Mark Ingram? Hard to say because Mark Ingram had a great year last year. Yeah, he did, 645 uh, yards, six touchdowns. And, but ran powerfully and with speed and broke tackles and dragged people. He's always been good contact. coming out of college. He just kind of had to find his place, I think. Yeah, but I think last year was his best year in a few years. And he just seemed to hit his stride, and and therefore he became valuable in another spot. Where do you go to Baltimore? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think this could be a sort of a revival of sorts for Latavius Murray in that he's had good seasons in the past, but that himself that was several years ago too. I think this could be sort of an up and coming sort of. Uh, a revival year for Latavius Murray. Now they uh, moved to the wide receivers. Um, uh, Michael Thomas had a great year last year, 125 catches, 1,400 yards, you know, nine touchdowns, um, only 11.2 yards on the average, but uh, still you catch 125 passes, you're, you're, you're smoking out there. Um, more from him the same, or are we looking at, uh, you know, more pressure on him um, due to the fact that, you know, their, their wide receiver situation has changed. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a question for you. Let, let you answer that. Who do you think in the NFL on this particular team has the second longest time of service in the NFL behind Drew Brees? Obviously, Drew Brees has been there longer than anybody. Who would you say would be number two? Receiver-wise. Anybody on the team. Anybody on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Well, I they just 
I'm going to guess they just got Jared Cook, who was a uh, fantastic tight end, just coming into a, a, you know a great part of his career. Right, he came over from Oakland. But so, um, hmm, I know you got me on that one. Ted Ginn Jr. Okay, twelve years in the NFL. All right, it's like he. It seems like he was there yesterday as a rookie. Right, who himself know? though may he may age wise. And production-wise, and he wasn't healthy last year. Right. May find himself without a roster spot at the end of the training camp here. You think so? It's possible. I mean, he's going to go in, I think, as the number two receiver behind Michael Thomas. Right. But his he's got to show uh, – there's some good young receivers on this team, yeah, too. Yeah, Traquan Smith and Cameron Meredith. And uh, what they pick up in the draft uh, – uh, they picked up a tight end as the only offensive player they picked up in the draft. Uh, skill, skill position guy, at least back. But, uh, yeah, no, I. Um, that's interesting. But he's been a good fit so far. But I think his age and the fact that he got injured quite a bit last year is going to play against him going forward. And, you know, he's never really been a, a, uh, the number one receiver. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, in Miami, uh, it was in Miami, I think, uh, he had some okay years. He just, you know, never has been you, – you remember the name because it's sure. just – first of all, it's an unusual name, Ted yeah. Jr. But, um, you know, he's been around a long time. He's, he's always like, had speed. Yeah. He's just never, I think, been – he's had some drop issues. He's mm-hmm. had play, situations where he's not made – the what suit what, what looks to be doesn't require a great amount of talent to make a a, a great pl- uh, I mean a play in a crucial situation. I think that's hurt him in the past, but he's made up for it in the last several years. Uh, Trayvon Smith uh, started to come into his own last year, uh, averaged fifteen and a half yards a catch, but only twenty eight catches uh, for a Drew Brees team. Uh, what are we looking at for him this year? Well, that's one of the receivers I think that Ted Ginn's going to have to fight off is players like. Uh, Traquan Smith, who have shown that they can be explosive, they can be counted on, they can get yards after the catch. And, you know, if if you're a savvy receiver that is good at working the defense, finding the open lanes and holes and creating space for Drew Brees to get you the ball, and he gets you the ball, and you do something with it after the catch, like Traquan Smith has done so far and showed that's a, that's a guy that can grow well into this offense and become a – as Jared Cook will be, you know, another great option for Drew Brees along with Michael Thomas. We move over to the Atlanta Falcons. This is a team that um, we should see better from. I, I, I've just they've, – they've always got the talent. They've always got the, the key players. But for some reason, it's just like, okay – there's, I always look at them as a placeholder. They're always good, but they're never <laughs> over the top. It's just like having the, the – um, you're holding four aces, and it's the fifth card in the poker hand. Well, they were, they were you know, <laughs> up 28-3 to three in the Super Bowl, and ever since they blew that, it's not been good. So, uh, But you're right. They've got offensively weapons galore. Last year, they didn't have an offensive line that could protect Matt Ryan. Even though Matt Ryan put up phenomenal, great, almost 5,000 yards and whatever it was, almost 70% completion percentage, and himself 35 touchdowns with only seven interceptions. But they've done, they've made some moves this offseason in the draft and in free agency to shore up the offensive line. And that has been, that was their downfall last year, at least offensively. Well, yeah, they got Devonta Freeman coming back too um, after a year of injuries. Right. And they let uh, um, Tevin Coleman go. Yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah. yeah, and that that uh, I I think that was a big loss for them because you don't know how good Freeman's going to come back coming back from or if he's going to come back. Yeah. So he only played in two games last year, and 
the you know the good news for Devontae Freeman is that earlier in his career um, is when he started to get going under when Kyle Shanahan was a coordinator, and Dirk Cutter is making his second round now as the offensive coordinator. So he was paired up with Matt Ryan earlier back in 2012 through 14 season, and I think Devontae Freeman all he's got to do is show that he can be healthy. I think Dirk Cutter is going to bring in a an offensive scheme that uh, is going to allow for Devontae Freeman to flourish again. You know, he had a couple of Pro Bowl seasons a while back, and he's he can be, um, you know, an effective runner in the outside zone running scheme and become an effective pass receiver out of the backfield. And I think, you know, that's just uh, that's going to play well for him and the Falcons this year in terms of if his production goes up. So look at Falcons. You got to figure they're probably not counting on him much more past this year because I know he's in the middle of a big contract year. But uh, and uh, but they went heavy picking up running backs. They went uh, after two running backs in in the draft. They they also picked up another running back free agency. I mean, I really kind of like uh, Kadri Olison out of Pitt. Six point three yards a carry coming out of Pitt uh, had uh, twelve hundred yards. They picked him up in like the fifth round. They went after Marcus Green in the sixth round out of uh, ULM. So I mean, uh, they're looking uh, to beef up that running game. I think after letting Coleman go and wondering if uh, Freeman can can come back. Well, and Edo Smith played a big role last year too. Mm-hmm. So I think you know Edo Smith only in his second year out of uh, what was it Southern Mississippi. Um, showed he can come in and, you know, make some dynamic runs. He was good out of the backfield with limited opportunities. And now that Tevin uh, Coleman's gone, that may open the door for Edo Smith and put pressure on Devontae Devontae Freeman um, to – you know, to step up and, and contribute more this year. You know, uh, I, the big question is, how long can Julio Jones keep this up? It's, it's like Superman. I think. Forever. Yeah, apparently. it's just unbelievable. Well, you know, same it's, thing it's, they say about Tom Brady. You know, yeah. he was a guy, what, in ninth or tenth year for Julio Jones. And, uh, you know, what do you have, 1,600 yards receiving last year? Yeah, and 113 catches. And yeah. still averaging like almost 15 yards a catch. Yeah, and they've got, you know, it was a, not only a big year for him, but obviously um, being one of the most dynamic receivers in the league, that that's who Matt Ryan's going to consistently find. But they've also got Muhammad Sanu also. Yeah. and um, Who's also been around a long time. Right. You know, you, you think about it, it's like um, uh, he's – how, how long has Sanu been around? It's it's been quite a bit. Probably around the same amount of time. And and uh, again, Austin Hooper at tight end had a breakout year. And you know, again, if you're a guy that's got some talent and can and knows where to go and how to get there efficiently, Matt Ryan is going to get you the ball. Yeah. Sanu's been around seven. Julio Jones has been eight. So you're right. They're right about the same time. And I like Austin Hooper. I, I've I've always kind of liked him. And uh, I I I think uh, he kind of balances that that receiving team i mean you got the two guys that you know you got julio who's going deep a lot we we think you know and sanu who's both and then you got hooper in the middle to yeah to when i off. watch austin hooper yes i i do like him he reminds me a little bit of george kittle mm-hmm. he's he's got very good athleticism he can get down the middle of the field he's provided a great uh, weapon in the red zone and you know and he's a decent blocker so it's a uh, um, you know, the Falcons, obviously, their one big question mark coming out of last year is d- two big question marks. Can Devontae Freeman get healthy? 
And can the offensive line, now that they've been retooled, protect Matt Ryan? And Matty Ryan is the guy. He is. You he know? is. And, and they've got to, they didn't run the ball well last year. No. So they've got to get back doing that. And Dirk Cutter, believe me, that's going to be a big emphasis for him coming out of training camp. You know, we talked um, uh, talk about uh, Drew Brees. We said as Drew Brees goes normally, that's how the Saints would go. But when you move to the Carolina Panthers, I think um, you put all the pressure on the quarterback there. You know, <laughs> as, uh, as uh, Cam Newton goes, the um, – um, the Panthers, the, the Panthers right? go. Sure. Uh, I mean, outside of the fact that you know um, uh, Christian McCaffrey just you know did what everybody expected him to do mm-hmm. coming out of uh, uh, college last year, but um, Cam Newton, they like to call him Superman, whether he's Superman or whether he's not Superman. Well, he likes to call himself yeah. Superman. <laughs> he dresses well. Well, he does. He's <laughs> interesting dresser, right? And. Um, <laughs> Apparently, there's an S on his chest underneath all that yeah. on the outside. So uh, uh, now that he's had a little minor uh, off-season shoulder surgery, um, which now is the second time in the last three years, um, he plays a physical style of football that I don't think this shoulder surgery issue was from throwing as much as it was from getting hit last mm-hmm. year. And he's been doing that not just last year, but that's how he plays. Right. So he puts himself in harm's way. And that's what you get with a bigger, dynamic running back. He's he's not ever going to be a traditional pocket passer. He's an athletic quarterback, and he was their second-leading rusher last year and has been in the past and is going to be that way in the future. Um, and so he, he puts that on himself. I think he's moving towards becoming a more efficient pocket passer. And now with North Turner as the offensive coordinator, you could see that developing in the early part of the season last mm-hmm. year before Cam got hurt. And this is a guy that takes hits, and, I mean, it, it was a big thing And dishes year. out hits. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you've, you've taken some big hits during your career. Can you imagine taking the kind of hits or the number of hits that he has? I mean, you didn't run like he did. If I was 6'5", 240, or 6'6", you lay it on. Is, I, yeah, play the same <laughs> way he would, yeah. You know, I, I was more in the self-preservation mode. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, you know, but you, that was smart. <laughs> you, know, you, you lasted ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, you stuck around for for double figures years, and yeah. uh, you know, so and you had some decent seasons. Uh, you know, so uh, uh, I look at a guy like Cam Newton, and I think you know, he's above somebody like RG three and uh, Michael Vick because he's lasted longer playing the same type of game. Maybe Vic ran more, more design plays. Uh, um. Well, if you, if it, I would say this. If you look at quarterbacks who are, what's the word nowadays, dual threat quarterbacks, mm-hmm. then, okay, I think where Cam Newton has separated himself from guys that you just mentioned is that I think his game, the part that comes um, before running, the part that comes in the passing game and reading coverages and those types of things, his pocket awareness and efficiency, I think, has been better than the guys you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's learned how to adapt and learned from the coaches around him, now one of them being North Turner, how to more efficiently operate in that system. And I think that's what's been his biggest advantage so far. I'm one of those guys when it comes to fantasy. I'm not looking to pick up Cam Newton. I had him a few years ago in my dynasty league, and I traded him away um, because, first of all, I had some other guys who I liked better. But at the same time, I was just never 
never felt good about him being my fantasy quarterback because of the fact I needed some passing volume, and I knew he was going to get me some running volume. But, you know, um, 24 touchdowns and 13 interceptions throwing as opposed to four touchdowns running and 488 yards. I looked at it and said, you know, I want the more of the passing guy because if I'm relying on him as my number one, there are so many games that he may not be there the whole game uh, because he gets hurt or, or whatever. So I think for, for fantasy owners, you have to look at that and say, do I want that guy who's the pure, more pure pocket passer as opposed to a guy like this? But when Michael Vick was out there, Michael Vick was the number one pick. You know, and because of the fact that he was such a dual threat and he was so dynamic, and I, I kind of liken him. But to were the, fantasy the owners winning their leagues with Michael Vick at quarterback? No, exactly. No, they were putting up points, but you're right; they weren't winning their leagues. So I think the point of fantasy football is to have a consistent guy that's throwing for say what, somewhere between 250 and 300 yards a game. Mm -hmm. Every now and then you're going to crack over 300 yards. Right. And throwing for a couple of touch, two to four touchdowns a game. Keeping the interceptions down. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, it's, uh, I would agree with you. Cam Newton's not that guy. He's, he's, he can have seasons where he goes <coughs> and makes, um, you know, enough plays for you to win games, but he's, in my opinion, fantasy-wise, not going to be an every-week quarterback that's going to – you're not going to win your fantasy league week-to-week week because of Cam Newton, in my opinion. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, this was a guy who I watched go off the boards very early last year, and rightfully so, and I think uh, he proved himself to be uh, that particular guy. Now, he rushes for almost 1,100 yards. He catches over 100 passes for, you know, 800 mm -hmm. and almost Almost 2,000 combined. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, just uh, uh, amazing. And he's not the fastest guy on the field, but he's the guy that, uh, well, how would you describe him? A guy gets open, a smart player. I, I see him as a very intelligent player. Extremely. He reminds, so I used to, once I was done playing, I got into coaching my two sons' youth football teams. And we would have guys that were not big. They were shifty. They were quick. They were in, uh, instinctive, and everybody would think, man, how's this kid not going to get hurt? Well, he's not going to get hurt because he's really good. That's, that's Christian McCaffrey. Um, my thing with as a fantasy owner would be in drafting a Christian McCaffrey is he had in a, a ton of touches last year. For his long-term uh, perseverance and in this league and just be able to stick around a long time, Carolina, I think, as a coaching staff, are aware that we can't have him get as many touches this coming year as he did last year. We need some help in the running and passing game so that he's not the center of attention every single play, especially in the red zone and short down yarded situations. They need a bigger type of body in there to take some of the blows and touches of um, Unfortunately, for fantasy owners, away from Christian McCaffrey. Well, you know, they, they picked up Chris Hogan, but at the same time they lost Devin Funches. Uh, they picked up Hogan from New England, who's a slot player, mm -hmm. and uh, they lost Devin Funches uh, to Indianapolis. And, of course, they also have Curtis Samuel, who's been— I don't oh, think okay. they were extremely sorry to see Devin Funches go. No? I don't think so. I think D.J. Moore is showing in just his, what, first year last year— mm -hmm 
that he can be a great downfield threat. He's a bigger-bodied receiver. And as you said, they just got Chris Hogan. And um, with along with Christian McCaffrey, they've got some playmakers and a playmaking quarterback. And Greg Olson, if he can stay healthy, because he's had a couple of injuries the last couple of years, um, they've got some playmakers offensively and some great options for Cam Newton, who I think is going to show that he's back healthy again and his shoulder's not going to be a concern. Um, you know, and I think offensively the Carolina Panthers are going to be all right. All right. Well, they picked up Jordan Scarlett, too, out of uh, Florida, uh, running back. Uh, that's, they drafted yeah. him up in the uh, in the fifth round. Yeah. Um, that's the type of running back they're going to need to take some of the load off of Christian McCaffrey. You figure, do you figure he is uh, a guy who comes in and plays right away, or is he a guy who kind of maybe is a uh, one-every-other-set-of-downs player? You know, I think they're going to find some good spots for him. Like I said, North, Cur- North Turner, who was – if you look back to the – like, North Turner was a, the coordinator with, for the Cowboys when I was with the Lions, mm-hmm. and that's when the Cowboys were winning all their Super Bowls. And he had an incredible way of uh, – you could just see the way he called plays, and we would watch the same film. We'd play the same teams they'd be playing, and so we'd get to see quite a bit of their offense. And uh, his brother, Ron, was my offensive coordinator with the Bears. So they – I, I have a lot of respect for both of those guys, and I think, um, you know, the way that North Turner will incorporate, um, you know, the back you just mentioned, um, Scarlet, Scarlet, mm-hmm. uh, along with everyone else. I think that's going to be that's one of North Turner's strengths: finding ways to get guys the ball. Not just, you know, he's not going to have Scarlet come in every third series or whatever. He's going to spot play him in situations that call for his use of his skill set. Now, when you look at um, uh, dynasty teams, uh, you, you, know, you look at uh, some of the, the future players that you're looking at down the road, people that you want to pick up and maybe uh, invest a little bit in. Uh, they uh, picked up, uh, they went to the third round, picking up Will Greer out of uh, West Virginia, the uh, six-foot-one quarterback. Uh, what do we know about him? And, um, I mean, is he capable of stepping right in if um, Cam Newton goes down? We'll see. Um, and I think, you know, Will played in a, um, a dynamic spread offense, and I think he's comfortable or will be comfortable learning this system. And, uh, you know, whether he's ready right away, no one knows for sure. But if at, the some, at some point in the season he gets called on to come in, I think you're going to see him, you know, perform well. And uh, as, you know, as you would expect a rookie quarterback to have some mistakes and some bright spots, that's going to be Will Greer, I would believe, at times. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This team's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, they now got Bruce Arians to come in and fix, <laughs> fix that mess. Yeah, and, and Arians has a tendency to do that. Uh, he usually goes right away and then he kind of, outlast is welcome maybe I, I don't know it seems like that seems to be a pattern with him whether it was Pittsburgh Arizona uh, or wherever he goes and uh, I'm looking at this team and it, it starts with uh, James Winston mm-hmm. uh, they, they lost several players I mean um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is gone um, uh, Deshaun Jackson's gone and they you know they you look at this uh, I've never really 
kind of been thrilled with Tampa Bay since the days of Warren Sapp, you know. Uh, and they, That's when I hated Tampa Bay. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that hit that he gave you? Yeah, <laughs> we played against them a couple times a year for about well, nine years. Well, you know, they, they've got some decent players. I mean, you know, the, the couple of really nice tight ends that came out last year, Howard and Brait and, you know, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Goodwin, yep. um, you yep. know, Peyton Barber. It just that. It just doesn't seem that they are a team that is ready to compete um, for a division title. Would you put them there? Not yet. No. And, and uh, you know, what was their record last year? Um, not anywhere near 500. 5-11. Five and 11. And they had a good offense. I mean, they put up points. I, well, they put up yards. That's what yeah. Is. Well, as you mentioned, Jameis Winston has had some maturity issues ever since getting drafted number one overall out of Florida State. So maybe Bruce Arians, after having some success over the years with Ben Roethlisberger and um, uh, Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer and some of these other guys, maybe he can work some of that uh, same magic with Jameis Winston because I think he's got talent. I just think consistency and holding on to the ball too long or not anticipating throws or not getting the play, not getting out of a bad play into a better play at the line of scrimmage, those are some of the things that I think has held James Winston back because so much of this game, if you gain, if you make some positive plays consistently through one game and through another game and you limit your mistakes and you start to gain confidence as a player and then you can become the leader that the team is needing you to become. And I think that's what James Winston wants to do. He just hasn't really performed at that level in order to step into that role just yet. Maybe... Bruce Aarons can have a positive effect on that. And the running back situation, it really isn't a standout situation. I mean, you got Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones and, and Gabbert and, and just guys who are just sort of pedestrian. Yeah, I would say so. You know, they when Jameis Winston with, you know, with 281 yards is your second leading <laughs> ball carrier, um, that doesn't speak well for your offense. But apparently, you know, um, they've got – they've made some additions now in – They've got a new direction offensively, and hopefully they can clear up some of the mess that, uh, you know, when, when Dirk Cutter got fired that was left for, you know, Bruce Arians to inherit. Well, you know, they, and wide receiver spot, they, they did pick up um, Brashard Perriman out of uh, Cleveland to back up Mike Evans. And Mike Evans had a great year, uh, over 17 yards of catch. And, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, had uh, what uh, almost 100 catches, 86 catches, 1,500 yards, and um, eight touchdowns. So, I mean, uh, Mike Evans is, is, to me, one of those guys, if Winston can get his act together. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's and, the and, big if. Yeah, and it, the fact that he was where he was last year and Mike Evans still – did what he did, you know, uh, average uh, over 17 yards a catch. Uh, tells me that Mike Evans uh, should be one of your top 10 wide receivers picked, or at least in the mix. And there's a lot of great wide receivers out there, and, and, so I don't want to go uh, hog heavy on him. But I think that um, just based on the fact that what he did, based with what he had to work with, you know, makes him um, uh, – Moves him up the ladder more, yeah, I think, no than, doubt. than some of the other no guys. No doubt. And, and uh, as you mentioned, I mean, to have the kind of year Mike Evans has had and really the career he's had in mm-hmm. a short career so far, he's been a dynamic receiver with really not a great quarterback uh, or series of quarterbacks throwing him the ball. And if you look past Jameis Winston, there's not a lot there on the depth chart. So they, you know, uh, it was Ryan Griffin, who's a local guy, went to um, – 
uh, grew up here locally and, and went to Chaminade High School, and then you got Blaine Gabbert behind him. There's not neither one of them had much experience mm-hmm. on the field um, in the NFL. So uh, Jameis Winston's got to get it going this year. But I think, like you said, Mike Evans is going to be their number one target this year, along with uh, the tight end uh, with O.J. Um, Howard. Right. And and uh, that's going to be, I think. And also you know, Cameron Brait. I mean, uh, I, I know I thought Howard was going to be, you know, uh, being the, the high pick that he was, was going to be the starter last year. And I think Cameron Brait beat him out for a while, you know. And uh, I, I think um, they're both going to get some good activity. They're both two pretty balanced tight ends. I think you have to put, like you mentioned, Howard up a little higher because he's the guy they invested in. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Brait is also one of those guys that seems to just kind of uh, stand out as well and makes the plays. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's also going to depend on, you know, the play calling. And Bruce Arians is, he, you know, in the past, he's done a good job of, of bringing a balanced attack and being able to, I think in this case, what he's going to have to do is take some of the pressure off of Jameis Winston, develop a running game, develop some uh, running game so that then they can get incorporate the play-action passing game. And then, uh, you know, let Jameis Winston – mature a little bit, gain some confidence, and then start to incorporate more of the drop-back passing game. And, and as you said, the tight end production is going to be reflective, I think, of a better running game. Now, they let uh, Deshaun Jackson go. Is Deshaun Jackson leaving? I mean, he only had 41 catches, but he's still Deshaun Jackson averages. He's like, explosive. Yeah. yeah. And, and both uh, the receiving game and the returning game. Yeah. And uh, is, is that a big loss for them, or is that a plus-minus? I think of it as a loss. Yeah, I'd love to have a guy like Deshaun Jackson throw the ball to. And like I said, he's a dynamic returner as well. So um, I consider that a loss. And, you know, the Tampa Bay, they're not, it's not like they've got, you know, 10 weapons and they've got to figure out how to get the ball to all 10 weapons. They've only got a limited number of guys that can make explosive plays. So I think, um, you know, losing Deshaun, you've got to find a way to replace that. I think maybe uh, Scotty Miller, their draft pick uh, wide receiver out of uh, Bowling Green, big speed guy, uh, could be that guy. Uh, I don't know what kind of returner he is. I don't know that much about him, but I know he's a big speed guy, and maybe he's the guy that does that. Could be. Uh, you know, because, uh, well, you know. But not, he's not a real physical presence. Yeah. You know, and, uh, or wasn't in college, and is sort of a slighter build guy. Deshaun Jackson was a slight build guy, but you know what you're getting with him. Yeah. And you, know, you, you got to do something with a guy who was a six-round pick. <laughs> Hopefully make the team. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's a big part of the next uh, four to five weeks here is, you know, uh, if you're looking at your fantasy team your, uh, um, or your fantasy draft upcoming, you're going to be looking at uh, really study. Uh, I, I think, actually, for fantasy owners, the most important time of the year is the four weeks leading up to the season. Because there's going to be a whole lot of guys who you can tell right off the bat, oh, my gosh, they're going to end up not playing very much. Either they they just look lost out there uh, who are rookies. And, um, I mean, you've seen them. Uh, you know, when uh, you, were, you were out there working out uh, during the preseason, were there guys out there you just looked at and said, oh, my gosh, where's his, where's his head? You know, did we really draft this guy? <laughs> yeah, that's, just, that's part of it, too. You know, there's, but that's on every team. There's high draft picks on every team every year that the rest of the guys on that team are going, wait a minute, you drafted him when? 
And, um, you know, that's that's part of everybody's, uh, you know, journey is to how to get through that and just eke out your own path and carve out your own way and craft your own skill set over the years and try to become the best player on the best team you can do. You can sit there and look at some of these guys and say, I like the potential. I, I think this is where – when it comes to fantasy, to me, this, you know, most guys say the, the draft is the most exciting thing. And a lot of guys say, well, the draft's over. Oh, okay, we're done. Let's move on to something <laughs> else now. Do we have to play the season too? You know, because the draft is so fun. And a lot of guys just like to do the trades and stuff. For me, the biggest part of fantasy really comes in this next four weeks, uh, you know, studying. And, and, uh, and it's tough to keep track of. You have to keep track of ESPN, uh, Yahoo, uh, all, all the, the NFL sites. Because you've got to keep track of the guys who, who get cut. Yeah. You know, or the guys who end up, you know, maybe getting trapped like a Ryan Switzer or somebody sure. like that. And, and during the season, up. too, you got guys going, you got bye weeks come up. You have guys that get injured and are your star players that go down. Mm-hmm. They might not be going down for the whole season. Like right. they might not tear knee ligaments, but it might be something that keeps them out two or three weeks. So is their backup going to be the guy you want to replace them with? Or is it going to be someone else that you pick up on the waiver wires? It's hard. It's it's a day to day operation, and that's one of the things I uh, want to emphasize to, to folks who are listening now that um, we're gonna, once the season starts, we're switching to Tuesdays. We'll be doing our podcasts on Tuesdays, and uh, we'll be able to tell you uh, uh, to ta- who to take a look at coming off the Monday uh, night game and also the Sunday games because Tuesday is the first waiver wire day. So you've been listening to Kramer and Brill, your weekly fantasy football podcast with former NFL quarterback Garrett Kramer and award-winning sports broadcaster and fantasy football expert Bob Brill. Join us next time each uh, Thursday for now. We're switching to Tuesday on uh, once the regular season starts for Kramer and Brill. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, wherever you do get your podcasts or you can find the link on our website, KramerandBrill.com. Coming up next week, uh, the AFC South. That's what's coming up next. For Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill reminding you to come back for more fantasy football insights.